So you may not be able to see I've got a bunch of eggs on my tie. It's a very exciting tie. Hey, you know what? I might crack a few more jokes as, as the day progresses, but you know. Uh, okay, that might be the last yoke, but probably not. How many of you have ever been to the Sky Deck Chicago at the Sears or what is now called the Willis Tower in downtown Chicago? Yeah, it's been many, many, many years since I've been, but it was fun. You see, they have these, these glass bump outs that you can walk 4.3 feet out onto, and it's glass all the way around you, and you can look straight down. It's really cool. And the people like walking on the sidewalks and the cars, they look like ants. And there's four of these. And they, they're at the 103-story level. So 103 stories up, that's 1,353 feet above the sidewalk below. So we were really high up there when, when you go. While I was there, I saw a group of people standing on the glass. So you, like you, you come out of the elevator and you kind of walk around and you could, you could see the, the glass bump outs. And there was this group of people, there was quite a few of them, and you could kind of see a mixture of elation and fear of those standing out on, on the, the bump outs. And the group left and it got quieter and I made my way out to the platform with Caleb, who was with me, and, and I actually had, it, had him in my arms. And Caleb, let's see, it was Caleb, my dad, a couple of my siblings, my niece, my nephew, my in-laws, and a couple of my aunts from Hawaii. You can actually see the picture behind me. They were all with us. So we all kind of loaded out onto this glass platform. They joined me on the ledge. And you can see how long ago it was because how short Caleb is. He's there in front with the plaid shirt. Yeah, so it, it was quite a while ago. And I remember that, that there's, again, there's these four pods, if you will. And the pod next to the one that we were on, there was this lady. She was a, a little lady. And what I mean by little is short, not, not very tall. Maybe... 100 pounds soaking wet and she was standing there not not going out onto the ledge standing there just shaking her head shaking her head saying that it wouldn't hold her she's like no it's not going to hold me it's not going to hold me yet here i was 240 pounds now full disclosure i have gained weight since then but at the time i was 240 pounds confidently standing on this piece of glass with my son with all my family and extended family, even my in-laws, yeah, they were there too, confidently knowing that it would be fine. She had seen the same group that I had standing on now the, the platform that she was trying to, to go out onto. She said, no, it's not going to hold me. It's not going to hold me. Is, is All I remember her keep, kept on saying, it's not going to hold me. And yet, here, here I am, with my family, standing on that same piece of glass. Same. I trusted in the glass. My family trusted in the glass. Yet this lady, however, did not. She I actually, I, you know, I, I tried to kind of, out of the corner of my eye, 
she actually never did step out onto the glass. She never did experience it. I knew that the glass would easily hold me. It would hold me, Caleb, my father, my aunts, two of my siblings, my niece and nephew, my in-laws. Yes, even my in-laws. It would hold them. And it would even hold more before it failed. It easily held the 11 of us. I trusted in the strength of the glass and not in my own abilities. This lady, however, trusted in her feelings above the strength of the glass. I had to trust in something outside of myself and outside of me in order to step out onto that glass, in order to put my son in that same situation. My family had to trust in something outside of them. Yet this lady, she trusted in her feelings. And because she did, she failed to receive the true experience that she paid for at the Sky Deck Chicago. You see, you had to pay to, to, to do that, to, to go up to there, and yeah, you can see. And maybe that's all she wanted to do, but she walked up to it like she was ready to do it, and she didn't. Now, realistically, I couldn't make the glass any stronger than it really is, right? Nor could I make the glass any weaker than it truly is. I could only perceive, like the lady that I saw, the glass to be different than it actually is. Again, I could only perceive the glass to be different than it actually was. And so I wonder, do I do the same with God? Do we do the same with God? Let's turn your Bibles to Proverbs 3, 5. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we gather together the first time this calendar year, we ask that we trust you in everything. We ask that we rely on you in everything. We ask that we continually look to you beyond ourselves and beyond our own understanding this year. Lord, we we ask that you are fully glorified in everything, in everything that happens this year. Because, Lord, we have no idea what this year would bring. Last year at this time, we thought that things would be better than the year before. As we look back, we know that providentially it is, but it doesn't really seem that way. So, Lord, we give you the glory we give you the trust that you deserve. And Lord, we ask that you help us to continue to trust you. And Lord, as Psalm 19, 14 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart 
be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We're going to look at how to trust in the Lord with all your heart and what that means today. So after, most of you know, but some of you may not, I had worked at Caterpillar for, for 12 years, and I worked in engineering services. And it was, it was, a, it was a job I enjoyed. Um, towards the end of my career there, I ended up teaching engineering classes. Now, I don't have an engineering degree, but I taught engineers how to do their job. Kind of weird, but, you know, is what it is. And, and I, I enjoyed it and made, was, you know, made some pretty decent money doing it. And then my job got sent to India, got outsourced. And yes, I had to train my replacement, re, I guess technically replacements, because there were multiple individuals that, that replaced, that did the job that I did. And so I found myself out of a job. I'm like, okay, what now? And after a, an unsuccessful search for a job that was in similar situation and, and similar pay, just it didn't happen. And with lots of prayer and guidance from God, Amy and I learned that God wanted me to become a teacher. And not just any teacher, but a middle school teacher. And the problem with that arose that once I started looking into what that all takes is that only 12 credits or one semester worth for my first degree counted towards a teaching position. <sighs> okay, so back to school I went. Now on this journey of going back to school to get my teaching degree, I first started out at Wabonzi Community College. And I had also looked at what was needed for that, for that degree at, at NIU to make sure that the classes that, that I was going to be taking at Wabonzi would transfer to NIU and that everything would, so basically I wouldn't waste money. I wouldn't spend extra money and spend time on classes that I didn't need. So I'd been working with the counselor up at, at NIU, making sure that the classes all aligned and realized that the, one of the first classes that I needed to take at, at Wabonzi was a four credit hour math class. Now, math has never been my strong suit. In fact, I, it was a class that I essentially had to retake because the first time I took that class right after high school when I went to Wabonzi, I got a D in the class. And you know, Ds get degrees, but not for teaching. So, what was originally a three-credit-hour class is now a four-credit-hour class. You're spending a lot longer in class, a lot more to do, so on and so forth. So, because I had received that D the first time around, I had to retake the class. So, my first semester back, I took that class. And fortunately, after a ton, and I mean a ton of time, energy, and work, I passed that class with a B. And again, 
I'm, I'm not standing here saying I'm great. No, no, that trust, hear me out. But I did realize after taking that class that all of my other classes would be a breeze because of all the time and energy and struggle and heartache and all the family get-togethers and all the doings that, that semester that I missed because I was spending it on math ended up being successful. And that, that class was, I took that in the spring of 2017. Fast forward to November of that year. I'm starting in the preparation of transferring to NIU. And my plan was to transfer to NIU in January of 2018. And again, I'd been working with NIU, making sure that everything was aligned, that all the classes were aligned and were the right classes for me to transfer so I didn't have to, to waste money. That's really what it boiled down to. So I didn't have to waste money and, and waste time. Because again, that's the last thing I wanted to do because it was already, this, this journey on me becoming a teacher was already pushed back because only a certain number of credits counted. And everything, everything seemed like it was on track. Classes were going good, I was enjoying it. And then I received notification from NIU that they would not accept my math class. Yes, that is absolutely right, Andy. Laughable. Yes, I had taken that four credit hour math class and I had spent at least five hours per day working on. And I know it was five hours per day working on that class because there was a computer program that went along with it and it kept track of how long you were on it. So I know it was five, I spent at least five hours per day between five and seven days a week working on that class. Now, normally for a normal college class, you spend, they, they want you to spend about three hours per credit hour on the class. So if your, your credit hour class is a three hour class, you spend nine hours of homework on it. So for this class, I should spend 12 hours roughly per week. 12 hours per week working on it. Yet I was spending anywhere from 25 to 40 hours per week working on math. That's what I went through to, to make that happen. And this is in addition to the other classes that I was taking. As I said earlier, I've never been much of a math person. Hence the D that I received the first time. So it was a major accomplishment to get a B. Yet here I was, not given any transfer credit for that class, not given any credit for that class for all that work that I had done, all of the struggle that I had put myself through, my family through, the time spent away from them. I called the counselor at NIU 
And she said that, that the class is not classified as being a transfer course. Now remember, I had already been in contact with the counselor. I'm like, I remember we had, we had worked this all out. It was supposed to work. This was the class that I needed to take. Yet now, this four-credit-hour class shows it as a three-credit-hour class. What's going on? Well, apparently, remember I took that class in the spring. Apparently, that summer, right after I had completed the course, Wabonzi reorganized the math department, the math classes. They took that four-credit-hour course, and they're like, there's too many students failing or dropping out of it. And so they split that four-credit-hour course into two separate three-credit-hour courses. One for transfer students moving on to university, and another for non-transfer students just to get their associate degree. Well, the unfortunate thing for me is that they used the same code for the four credit hour class as they did for the non-transfer three credit hour class. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like the wind had been knocked out of me. It was like November time frame when, when this realization happened. I had done my homework, both literally and metaphorically. I had done my homework. I had done everything I needed to do to make sure that all my ducks were in a row. And this time, they didn't even quack me up. I know, I had to go there. You know, at some point, I'm going to have to pay the bill for all this. All right, just let, let it flow off the duck's back, like water off a duck's back. Yes. Sorry, I had to. I had to. So even though I had done my homework, NIU said that it wouldn't count. I was just, I was devastated. The next day, after I'd realized all this and, and what had happened, I was talking to my chemistry professor about what had transpired. And she said, she's like, well, I, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll bring this up to my boss, which is the dean. And she goes, she's also the dean of the science and math department. I'm like, great, sure, won't hurt anything, go ahead. All along, I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, why is this happening? Was I not supposed to be a science teacher? Was I not supposed to go down this path? I spent all this time and energy. My family had invested so much time and energy. We had not done so many things together to make this happen. I just, I couldn't understand why this was happening. Maybe I wasn't supposed to be a science teacher. Maybe I was supposed to be a social studies teacher. Social studies teachers, you, pff, math, who cares about that? By the way, my minor is in social studies, and, and Tom, Dean, I know you're a social studies teacher. You, you don't need math for, for history and social studies. 
It's just the way it is. For science, though, you do. Why? Why? Why was this happening? So, talked to my professor. She ended up talking to the dean. The dean wanted me to meet with her. So I scheduled a meeting with her. I think my, the, the, when I had the, there was a Monday morning class when I had talked to my chemistry professor and scheduled the meeting, I believe it was for a Thursday morning, something like that. So I walked in and I sat down with the dean and I explained the problem that had happened and I also explained how I knew it wasn't going to affect just me because I wasn't the only student in that class. I wasn't the only other student that had taken that class at that time, nor that same class previously, that maybe hadn't, hadn't transferred yet. So it was gonna cause problems, not just for me. In our discussion, she stated how impressed she was in my ability to find the root cause, Wabonzi's split of this class, and to think of others. And that she's like, I will personally contact NIU and get this resolved for you. Like, yes, please, awesome, thank you. She then proceeded to ask me if I would like to work for her in her department. I'm like, Never even crossed my mind. I'm like, you do know I'm going to be transferring. I'm going to be a student at NIU, and I'm going to also be doing clinicals and all this. She goes, yeah, yeah, I know that. But she wanted to be a lab assistant in the science department. She said that she would love to have me working for her at Obanzi, and that the job would be posting less than a month later, in the middle of December, and that I should apply. Well, the following February, I started at Wabonzi while going to NIU. And I spent the remainder of my schooling career working part-time as the Earth Science Lab Assistant at Wabonzi. You see, God had a higher and a bigger plan for me. He providentially knew that Amy and I needed the income a part-time job would provide. He providentially knew that Wabonzi would work around my ever-changing, crazy school schedule and clinical schedule, and they would do it without hesitation. He providentially knew that I would be working with science professors and students while going to school myself to become a science teacher. You see, I had and have to trust beyond myself, beyond my understanding, because my understanding is clouded by feelings, by emotion, by sin, and by myself in a very narrow focus. God worked it out, not unlike Joseph in Egypt, who in Genesis 50, 20, told his brothers, 
after they had sold him into slavery, after he was falsely accused and sent to prison, after he became the second in charge, second in command of Egypt, after he saved Egypt from a plague, after his brothers unknowingly came to him, after his father had died, Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, I'm not standing here telling you those, those two stories about me to show how great I am and how great I am at trusting God in everything. I, that's, that's not why I'm standing up here doing it. I am but a sinner saved by grace alone. But what I am standing here doing is sharing what God has shown me and continues to show me. That trusting in him, he who made the heavens and the earth, him who created everything, who, though he was in the form of man, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That was Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Let's turn our Bibles to John 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You can close your Bibles. I and we need to trust that God has everything under control. Perhaps you have gone through or are going through something right now and that something is going to help you grow closer to god perhaps you have gone through or are going through something that is to help others grow closer to god like joseph god is telling his story history using you and using me let me state that again. Like Joseph, God is telling his story, history, H-I-S-S-T-O-R-Y. You overlap those S's. His story, history. And he's using you and me. 
I'd like everybody to look to their left. Now look to your right. Look in front of you. Now turn and look behind you. Okay, now look at your hands. You can even look at your lap and your knees. Okay, now finally look back at me. God is using everyone you looked at, including you, to tell his story. You, we, and me need to trust what God is doing and what God does. Trust needs to be directed outside of you, outside of us, to God. It is not how you feel. It is not about how you feel, how you think, or even what you think. You need to trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In Philippians 4.19, let's turn to Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice how it says all your needs, not all your wants. It says all your needs, not all your desires. Okay, so how do I know what I need? Well, wouldn't it make sense that the one who created you and me knows what you and I need? Wouldn't it make sense that the one who created the world and everything in it, including everyone that you looked at just a, a minute or so ago, would know what is truly needed and would know how to make that happen? It is beyond you. You need to trust that it is bigger than you. You need to trust that God knows what you and I need, what those around us need, and what the world needs. Jesus' disciples could not fathom the reason that Jesus had to die. To them, in their own understanding, in spite of all that they had seen, experienced, and been told by Jesus that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to overthrow Rome. He was going to overthrow the Roman rule over Israel. You see, the Messiah had been cast into a political leader who would restore the nation of Israel. Yet there Jesus was, crucified on a Roman tree. What the Pharisees, Sadducees, Sanhedrin, Pontius Pilate, Rome, and ultimately Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. Not to overthrow Roman rule over Israel, but to overthrow the rule of sin over us. Not to restore the nation of Israel to political power, but to, to restore the true nation of Israel out of the bondage of sin 
that had and does rule over us. What was meant for evil, God used for good. What was understood by his own disciples as the purpose of Jesus' coming was wrong. As his true purpose was far greater and had far bigger and longer reach than they could have ever imagined. They couldn't even understand it. His story is greater than your understanding. His story is greater than my understanding. So we should not lean on our own understanding. History. His story has shown that he can be trusted. That he can be counted on to do what he said he would do. That he will work everything out according to his purpose. Our dog, Mally, she's old. And, and now she, she struggles to get up the first concrete step onto our, our back stoop. That first step is, is taller than the, the next steps into our house. She can get her, fir, her front paws on it, no problem, but she, she can't get her, her back one. She's always had back hip problems, but then she also broke an ankle several years ago, and being old, she just, she, she struggles. So she can't easily make that happen. We pick her up, and she doesn't like being picked up. It's, it's just awkward. And she really doesn't seem to like it. So I found a, a scrap piece of plywood as a ramp for her. Now, if you know anything about triangles and ramps. You know that in order to make going up the ramp easier, you need to extend its length. So if you were to take the, the, the ground, and then you have, so that's the run, and the rise, if you have a rise you need to go up, and you need to make this length here of the ramp as it goes down, the longer you make it, the easier it is to go up. But the longer you make it is that length is longer than the horizontal length that you're traveling. So you're actually going a longer distance in order to get up. So you have to walk a longer distance to make it easier for you to travel the same distance if you can't hop up that step. Well, Maui apparently doesn't like to step on that wood ramp. And she tries unsuccessfully to hop up on one side or the other of the ramp. She would rather be unsuccessful in getting into the house than to use something that is good for her and easy for her to use. I literally have to pull her collar to get her to walk up the ramp. Caroline's shaking her head, yep, 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 that's, that's our dog she quickly and easily walks up the ramp. And then she enters the house, hops up the last two steps into the kitchen, and she's fine. But Maui reminds me of us. How we see something placed in front of us as a hindrance. Something that doesn't make sense. 
as something that is hard, long, difficult, and or wrong. From my point of view, why should I have to walk a longer distance up a noisy wooden ramp? From my point of view, I know how to get up that step. I've done it thousands of times. It's the same way I have done it all along. I know what's best for me. Even though I actually can't do it anymore. From my own understanding, my own point of view, the ramp is wrong. Yet from an outside point of view, when I am standing there looking down at Maui, thinking, "Ah, if only I could become a dog to show her how much easier the ramp is making her life. I'm reminded of the story that I am a part of that God is creating. His story, history, and the Bible have shown us that Jesus is who he said he is, that he did what he said he would do, and that he will do what he said he will do that he was there in the beginning and that he will be there forever. Let's turn to Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You can close your Bibles again. Look at that. We, we just opened up our Bibles three times. Already three times this week. Okay, Chris, you might be thinking, this makes sense, but how? How do I do this? How do I not lean on my own understanding? You might be thinking to yourself, well, I didn't go through what Joseph went through. I didn't even go through what you went through. My life has been different. And you know what? He would be absolutely correct. Your life is different than mine. Your life is different than Joseph's, than the disciples, than anyone else, but it is still a part of his story. You are a part of his story. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, then learning more about him is the place to start. Open your Bible like we have done three times today, but do it daily, consistently. Get in the word, his word, because in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust beyond yourself. Step out onto the glass. Experience being part of his story as he perfectly weaves you into it. 
The Bible shows us that we need a Savior. The Bible shows us that Jesus is that Savior and that God, through Him, can be trusted to do what they said they would do. That their perfect plan or story is being worked out daily and that you and I are a part of that story. You are a part of His story. So when, whether you need to step out onto a glass, a ledge, or are having to face doing something dreadful again, like a math class, or maybe you're facing a ramp in your life, you need to trust Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 